Hello, and welcome to Smart Supply Chain, a podcast produced by ALOM, featuring industry experts offering insight and clarity on a variety of supply chain topics. I'm your host, Jennifer Duell. As an environmentally and socially conscious global supply chain services provider, ALOM offers Six Sigma quality, technology leadership, flexibility, and true customer focus. ALOM delivers its clients' products flawlessly, enriching the end user experience and upholding their brand reputations. Our guest expert is Dana Hicks, Vice President of Global Accounts for ALOM, and we're talking about the new math of the supply chain. Dana, thanks for being here today. I'm happy to have you on the podcast. Hi, Jennifer, and it's my pleasure. I'm curious about your thoughts in the evolution of supply chain within an organizational structure. So do you feel that the C-suite and executive levels weren't paying as much attention? And I'm talking about, let's say, five years ago. The only thing they wanted to know about supply chain was really as a cost center or how to be efficient with cost. Do you feel that it's become this very high level executive conversation? I really think that it's now much more of an in thing. I think you you hit it on the head. In the past, it was like almost a necessary evil managing the supply chain tucked away in a back room, right? Nobody really even talked about it or paid attention to it. I mean, 10 or 15 years ago, they didn't have titles like VP or senior VP of supply chain. But just looking at that and looking at the titles that they're now awarded is demonstrative. I think it's a sure sign that in the industry that people are paying attention to it. How does that change an organization and how does that change the day-to-day life of a supply chain professional that may not have been used to being in the spotlight? Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. And I think it's changed tremendously. In the past, as we mentioned, it was considered a cost center. But now the C-suite recognizes that it has an effect on your customer experience. And so getting the right product to the right people at the right time with the proper documentation is really important to these people. It drives customer satisfaction. And with that drives the lifetime value of a customer within your organization. We all want repeat business, correct? And in this case, with a positive supply chain experience, it drives your revenue line. So it's just not considered a cost center anymore. It's a revenue generator and opportunity in its own right. When you're talking to our customers and the organizations who rely on ALOM, do you ever hear them just say, what is the math of this solution? Like, what are the different pieces, almost like the calculus of it? I spoke earlier about lifetime value of the customer. Hey, Mr. Client, are you willing to pay 15% more for superior customer experience to ensure that customer is a return customer for two or three or four more purchases? You've got to include that in your calculus. There are very few models out there, Jennifer, that can survive on a single purchase for the entire relationship, right? We all are looking for the repeat purchase. You're trying to minimize returns. Returns only cost you money. Somebody's got to pay to get this product to come back to the manufacturer. If it was the wrong order, somebody's got to pay to replace the order. So not only do you double the cost by sending it out twice, but then you have a customer sad issue too. They got the wrong product at the wrong time. That's not a good thing. You know, a lot of it is cost avoidance. We're trying to avoid some of those costs as well. 
Do you feel that companies right now, they're under pressure from multiple sources, customers who have become very used to a certain level of service. You have suppliers that you're dealing with. Obviously, you have cross-border and international trade involvement. Do they feel under pressure from multiple places? Oh, yeah. The market's a mess right now. I mean, ever since Amazon entered, there is a almost a demand for I need it now, whether the ultimate end user needs it or not, they still require it. It's like, how many times have you ordered something off of Amazon and you know want to deliver it in a day or two when you really might not need it for another week? But again, those are some of the basics that you need to be able to manage from the outset. Right now, they're challenged by, as we mentioned, lead times. Uh, the increase in the cost of fuel is another one. I would say their ability to fulfill to multiple channels, whether it be you know, B2C, B2B, Amazon, retail. And then again, I think compliance plays a major role these days, especially again, when we're talking about testing kits and such. So you had mentioned something earlier that I wanted to to circle back to, which was the idea of the challenges with the supply chain now in distributing to different channels, B2C, B2B. Do you feel that there are very few companies now that actually are only worried about one channel? Has this changed the formula for how a company evaluates its supply chain? I think to be successful, you have to have the ability to fill multiple channels. And each channel has its own challenges and and, and differences. I mean, the retail channel, there are big box retailers out there that literally uh, have created revenue streams through penalties, right? And it's important to work with a 3PL that understands all the nuances there. And another channel is Amazon. Amazon has its own requirements as well and the ability to get into the Amazon system. And then the ability to fulfill to the end user consumer, depending on which service level one might choose, whether it's overnight, whether it's ground, got to be able to have the systems which can meet all those expectations and then also have the ability to choose which carrier makes the most sense to use. So in other words, maybe if it's two to three day ground, you might choose FedEx. If it's overnight, it might be UPS, it might be DHL in another instance. And you've got to have the systems that can sort through that and determine where it makes sense and and where you're going to balance the service level and the cost. You've got to, again, balance the service level, which means the delivery time with the cost. So you've got to be somewhere in the vicinity of your end users in the ability to fulfill out of a couple of different geographies within the United States, I think is critical. For instance, when we fulfill out of Indianapolis, we can hit maybe 70, 71% of the continental U.S. addresses and then out of our facility in the Bay Area. And if you add the two together, you're looking at maybe 94, 95% U.S. addresses covered in two to three day ground, which is a great combination for service and for cost. Would you characterize the majority of the customers that you work with as being companies that have outgrown their current supply chain solutions provider and they're looking to scale? I think in the last couple of years, That's a true statement, especially when you're considering the testing market, which I see as 
an explosive market at this point in time. I think because of the pandemic that Americans specifically are more willing and able to take home tests than they have in the past. And so that market seems to be on a huge growth trajectory. So I'm seeing a lot of those what used to be startup companies breaking into the next level of mid-tier companies. How are supply chain professionals navigating all of these different groups that they're now having to interact with? Do you hear from any of them that we want to get our IT team involved or we want to get our marketing team involved? Do you suddenly feel that you're not just dealing with the supply chain group anymore? You're actually dealing with more pieces within the organization. Oftentimes we'll start with a base model, right? You bring product in, you add some value to it, whether do some light assembly, some kidding, some fulfillment, some returns, so on and so forth, your base model. And as we get going, oftentimes as our customers recognize some of the value-added services that we can provide, such as demand printing and other types of marketing type materials and services that they'll bring their marketing team. So we were recently working with a cosmetic company and some of the ideas that came up revolved around some personalization. When they were able to open up one of these uh, packages and inside there's a personalized letter from the CEO with your name on it or possibly some sort of coupon, some way to personalize the experience and draw that end user closer to the client themselves is, is super powerful. We have other programs where customers, after they've made the purchasing decision and after the product has been delivered, will we'll send up letters literally in the mail, like in the postal system, snail mail, that would be personalized and thanking them for their business, maybe again, promoting special offers to them, whatever it may be. But it's just another touch point which can drive customer loyalty. And then again, lifetime value of the customer, which is critically important. Within the organizations and this conversation around cost, is the extra cost that companies and organizations are incurring with supply chain today, is it considered to be the cost of doing business? Is it squeezing them? Are they absorbing it? Are they passing it along to their own end users, their own end customers? I think at the beginning, they were being squeezed. But now, just look at your own personal life. It seems like Everyone is passing the price increases along. I don't see them returning, quote unquote, to normal anytime soon. So I think in order to stay in business, you're going to see the price increases pass to the end user. But along with that is the attitude of, okay, we're going to increase our price. So everything better be perfect. If somebody places an order and they expect that order to ship today, it better ship today. There's more pressure on actual performance after they've had to increase those prices. You just look at it from, let's say, a packaging perspective. If you're going to buy packaging onshore in the U.S., it's going to be significantly more expensive than it would be if you had purchased it in China. So if you are the procurement guy buying this packaging in the U.S., you're going to say, okay, great, I'm paying 30% more for this, but I expect it to be my supply chain partner on time and in the proper condition with the proper documentation, no if, ands, or buts, right? I'm paying more for it, so I'm expecting it to be a superior product. 
There's the old saying, you get what you pay for. Do you believe that? Do you buy into that concept? No pun intended, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) One would hope so. I would suggest that going with the least expensive or quote unquote cheapest solution is not always the right choice. I think in order to be the least expensive, some corners have to be cut, whether it's in service, whether it's in compliance, whether it's in documentation, whether it's in the product itself. And that's one element in driving value. Is it always true that the most expensive solution is the best solution? Not necessarily, but is the least expensive solution the best solution? Not necessarily. I think there's just a number of elements that you need to look at in order to come to the right answer. It's looking at your own business. What are your goals? One of the first questions I ask my customers, what are your three biggest challenges? So what are you trying to solve? That's what's going to drive what the solution looks like. I mean, is it speed? Is it quality? Is it price? It really ties into What are the goals of your organization? Some people don't care about quality. All they want to do is deliver it, have the least expensive delivery. If you're sending out a stuffed animal as a thank you, you probably want to get it out there for the least amount of money as possible. Maybe you don't care if it's going to take two weeks to get there. That's a different challenge from the guy that goes out and buys a $300 piece of technology He wants it in perfect condition on his doorstep in two days. And me as the client might pay my supply chain partner 20% more to get that delivery because there's a significant more margin in that product than there would be in a stuffed animal. We talk a lot about protecting the brands that we work with, that we stand between the product and the revenue. And along those lines, another piece of the equation, the math that we're doing, what is the cost to acquire a customer versus the cost to keep one? It seems to me now that the cost of retaining a customer is now directly attributable and flows into the overall math for the supply chain. So they're on your website. You have convinced them to buy from you. And then you're out of stock. That's a place where you could lose them. But let's say that you do have it. And then it goes through the fulfillment process and it doesn't ship on time. And they needed it immediately and you didn't fulfill that agreement of shipping on time. That's another place that you could lose repeat business. Then when they receive it, it's damaged or it's the wrong order. There's multiple places within the supply chain that you could lose that customer. So, I mean, do you see that as being an increased acknowledgement within organizations that different pieces of the supply chain are different opportunities to either keep a customer or lose one. Absolutely. This goes back to our earlier discussion about where supply chain is a function used to sit in the back corner, right? Or the back room and nobody paid attention to them. But now it's getting this visibility at the C-suite because they understand the math. They understand the different points along the supply chain where you can experience that leakage. And it's so difficult to acquire a customer you certainly don't want to lose one. Dana, thank you so much for being here today. Since this episode is about the new math of the supply chain, I'll close on this note. Your insights plus your knowledge equal a really great episode of Smart Supply Chain. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Supply Chain. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information or to contact ALOM, go to alom.com. That's A-L-O-M dot com.